Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Welcome in, everybody, to Monday's edition of the OBR Newswire Podcast, your home for all things Cleveland Browns every day. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and there is no time to waste. Big week. Draft week is finally here. We have so many opinions to get to, and we'll get to all of your favorites. But today we had a little scheduling issue with Jared Mueller. Big time my fault. That's okay. We'll get with Jared later this week, especially to get his thoughts on the first round of the draft Thursday night. Uh, To make up for this, I have a special guest, Ben Fennell, who uh, covers a myriad of different topics for the NFL, does great work on the draft. He'll give us some insights. Let's get over to our betonline.ag hotline with Ben Fennell to talk about all things Browns and especially focusing on those picks at 10 and 41. Okay, bringing in Ben Fennell. He's doing a ton of different things for all the biggest names in the football industry. He does draft combine work for the NFL Network. He does uh, work for the Eagles, uh, Packers film for the Athletic Wisconsin. We're going to talk about draft candidates. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, and that sounds like a pretty wordy business card when you run it all off like that. But, you know, it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving, and I'm, I'm happy to do all this stuff. That's right, man. we got to pay the bills somehow, so we, uh, no we, we knock as many as we can there. So, listen, let's, let's talk about the Browns. I, I brought you on. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, some crossover stuff with, with Van Pelt and B.J. Goodson with your Packers experience. At some point here, we'll maybe get to that toward the end. But I want to I dive in with some really important Browns topics. We're, we're just under two weeks out of the draft. It's going to be a weird draft. Nobody really knows where this thing is going. It's uncharted territory for, obviously, those participating in the draft and those of us who are trying to say, this is what teams might do. So uh, Browns fans have been pretty consistent, and uh, it's a common thought process that the glaring hole on the roster is left tackle, and they have not addressed it. There are options that they could address it if they wanted to. Jason Peters is still out there. They wanted to try that route. They could go get Trent Williams. They have not done any of those things, which leads us to believe, Ben, that the left tackle spot is the spot that kind of has that perfect mesh, a best player available, and a need, which is nice when that, when that happens. It doesn't always happen that way. So I'm asking you as somebody who studied these guys exclusively and extensively, um, it, it seems to offensive line play and, and, and the judgment of these guys varies so much. It's, it's really a little all over the map. So I'm curious. I had Dane Brugler on um, last week, and, and I, I, I want to know sort of um, where you stand on these guys. Like, what's your tier one and tier two of these, uh, of these offensive tackles? Well, firstly, I think the Browns are in a great position because at 10 and 41, I think they're going to get a quality tackle and they could kind of see where the board falls to them at both those positions there. And the name of the game in the NFL is go into the draft ready to play a game. And I feel like the Browns are ready to play a game. They obviously went and spent some money at right tackle with Jack Conklin. And then you have Chris Hubbard and some, you know, obviously depth pieces there to survive at left tackle. It's no secret that's obviously a whole which is a kind of coincidence, just that that spot was the only solid position for about 15 years, and now all of a sudden (laughs) you have a pretty complete team except the left tackle. But if the receiver class wasn't so deep, the tackle class would be stealing the show and all the headlines. 
because this is a deep group from top to bottom with top-level talent that's ready to play with day-one starters. There's some really interesting mid-round players that I think could be ready to play, and a lot of intriguing developmental players on the back end. So those top-level guys, obviously not breaking any news with Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, Josh Jones, Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, and then getting into that next tier, Josh Jones, Lucas Niang out of Texas Christian, put on his 2018 tape against Ohio State, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. He looks like a first-round player there. And some interesting guys like Ben Barch and Matt Pert from UConn. And then if you're really interested on day three, the guys like Shadik Charles, the left tackle of the national championship LSU Tigers, and Jack Driscoll, a right tackle from Auburn, and Akeem Adeniji with long, long arms from the University of Kansas. There's literally 20 to 25 really intriguing draftable tackles in this class. So if you need one, I'm glad the Browns didn't break the bank on two tackles. I'm glad they got Jack Conklin, but to then go out and maybe stretch their salary cap a little further to go get a Jason Peters or maybe spend some draft capital on a Trent Williams, I'm glad they didn't break the bank because there's a lot of intriguing talent, whether in the first round, the second round, or potentially even the third round to find a starter left tackle. Yeah, that's what's fascinating for us is that um, you know, the Conklin signing was a little bit unexpected. We, we, we thought they might attack uh, a mid-tier tackle, but we weren't sure they were going to spend money. They did. I'm fine with that. I think you want to get somebody that you know is going to be an effective player, especially with how much Baker Mayfield alluded and left pockets that he just felt almost – it wasn't ghost pressure, but there were enough times that he felt enough pressure that it just became a trigger-happy problem for him. So they wanted to solidify one of those and go into the draft still pursuing the other. I agree with you. I do like the plan. It feels to me like they're going to focus on that first group. So of that first group you mentioned, Jones, Wills, uh, Wirfs, Becton, and then Andrew Thomas, who do you feel like is the best fit for them, Ben? And then kind of like piggybacking from that, um, if they were to move down, say 15 to 20, um, who of those guys do you think is still probably in play there? And do you think that like that guy is as good as they could have gotten a 10? So some of the players that I don't think necessarily will fit, like Makai Becton or a Isaiah Wilson at the University of Georgia. These are 6'7", 6'6", 340, 50-pound tackles that I'm not sure they really have the athletic profile the Browns are looking for for two reasons. Number one, Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt coming from Green Bay and some of his pedigree loves the perimeter action, quick game screens, loves athletic tackles, especially getting them out in the perimeter. Think David Bakhtiari, think Lane Johnson in combination with a quarterback that likes to hang on to the ball just a little bit longer. Using that improvisation, Baker Mayfield's athleticism, I think you're going to need a tackle that's okay with blocking for four to five seconds on any given down. And I think you want that profile to just be somebody a little bit lighter on his feet, whether that's an Andrew Thomas at Georgia or maybe waiting to the back end of round one and trying to get a Austin Jackson at a USC who is a little bit unrefined right now but has a lot of upside when there's a lot of athleticism on day two this Matt Burke kid from UConn is a basketball player profile he looks like he's on a trajectory to be a Teron Armstead style of player and there's a lot of guys Hmm. like that whether it's Ben Bartz or Lucas Niang a lot of athleticism so I would rather somebody who's a little bit undersized at tackle but will profile getting out in space out on the perimeter better in zone I really like Tristan Wirfs 
but I think he's more of a throwback tackle, more like a Chris Samuels, more of a brute strong, wants to beat you up in a phone booth rather than getting out in space. So I think there's a lot of different shapes and sizes for different schemes here. Yeah, I certainly like your point there about the size of some of those guys, Mekhi Becton there and and Isaiah Wilson, right? You know, this the scheme, the way they're going to stretch laterally, it does it does require a, a good bit of running. I, I know there's been data on this and how much more often this scheme requires movement, running movement from from their offensive tackles, and that it has an effect. If you're carrying, you know, a 350-pound frame, whether you're a great athlete like Mekhi, it does have an effect on your, your in-game endurance. And usually these teams, whether it's the Rams, the 49ers, um, and now now the Browns who are crossing into this territory too, are going to kind of try to pigeonhole the, the type of tackle that they're looking for in that 310 to 320 range, um, you know, just as sort of guidelines for that type of tackle. So I'm, I'm fascinated by how they attack that. And if they did go with a bigger tackle, I would be surprised. And they would be they would have to be extremely high on that player as sort of an outlier that they think will break the mold. I am fascinated. That's a great comp for Matt Pert. I, I, I know we have some guys who, who can associate on Brown's Twitter who love him. I, I'm quite interested. The Browns, Ben, have – uh, you mentioned Chris Hubbard. They, they have John Conklin. They restructured Hubbard to keep him around in sort of that swing tackle role. They also have a player named Kendall Lamb, who you probably know, obviously, from his time with the Texans, who's sort of a swing tackle player. Do you think that they would double dip here, or do you think that they would just sort of get their tackle in the first few rounds and and those four guys are sufficient enough? I really like the Browns' collective roster, except offensive line. So you know depth is going to be tested. You know it's going to be tested on the offensive line. I think you need to find a bona fide starter day one and do not be afraid to bolster with some depth and some developmental pieces behind the scenes. And whether you're going to sneak them onto the practice squad or let them hang around just as role players and depth players, I would love for them to go, you know, maybe take an Andrew Thomas earlier in the draft and then maybe on the back end, you know, taking a, a, a heck at a North Carolina or an Ezra Cleveland who – I'm hearing getting some first round, second round buzz out of Boise State. Uh, you know, Shadiq Charles has played a lot of ball as well. So yeah. I don't think doubling up at tackle is the worst case scenario. And they obviously have a hole at left tackle. Now the question is some of the designated right tackles, where do they put them on their board? The Jedrick Wills, who is right tackle for the left-handed Tua Tungavailoa at Alabama, or Lucas Niang, who is right tackle. Jack Conklin's pretty solid in at right tackle there. Coming from Tennessee and Michigan State, he's a right tackle. Will they feel comfortable taking a Jedrick Wills, who played his whole career at right tackle, and saying, you're our left tackle of the future? So I don't know if they maybe feel more comfortable going with a more natural, ready, experienced left tackle for a day one starter. Yeah, that's where I think a lot of us lean Andrew Thomas, just sort of a guy who's you know that he can play day one. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to – continue a trajectory for an all-pro player he's a he's a very good offensive lineman and he's been so at Georgia and he's you know like you said consistently played left tackle I think all of that sort of makes sense but there are some guys and Thomas could be gone by 10 and then there are some guys like Wirfs who has spent a majority of his career at right tackle and Wills too you're right there there are a lot of people who debunk that and say that it's not a big deal but I think that it can be a bit of a question right you don't know until you know and that part of the the wager or gamble here will be interesting to see how the Browns attack. I want to talk to you too while I have your ear here about the defensive side of the ball, especially the defensive line. The Browns have Miles Garrett, who will be a cornerstone of the franchise for the foreseeable future. They'll give him another, you know, his second contract soon enough. But outside of that, Ben, it gets really dry, right? You have 
one more year of Olivier Vernon at his price tag, 15 and a half, unless they make some surprising move and move on from him and bring in someone like Judevian Clowney or Yannick um, Ngakwe if they wanted to move. I don't see that one happening. But Clowney's at least on the radar. I don't think it's going to happen. So you get one more year of Olivier Vernon. You brought in Adrian Claiborne, a little bit older, who will give you a year, maybe two. And then you look at the inside. They have Larry Ogunjobi's on the final year of his rookie deal has been inconsistent uh, in his in his second year and third year, not as not as good as we hoped he'd be on trajectory after his first year. We had some flashes. You have Larry, um, sorry, Sheldon Richardson, who is who is a three year deal. He produced really well year one. Year two is an expensive player. Maybe he produces that well again. We don't know, but there's a big out in that contract. And then you have Andrew Billings, who they brought in for a year. So. My point is this, and I've been I've been trying to make this clear about the Browns, is that their their defensive line projection after this year is like Miles Garrett and then shrug your shoulders because you don't know who these guys are uh, going to be. You know, you you hope that Larry Ogunjobi pops off and has a big year. You hope some of these guys prove their worth and they give them long term deals. Andrew Billings, whoever, and they give them long term deals. But I'm I'm quite fascinated with the fact that we don't know, and they need to supplement that position. I think hedge their bet there, and that's why I'm kind of interested in that round two, three, four area for a guy they could fall in love with and take. Um, I'll ask you this: I'll sort of tee it off first and backtrack a little bit. Like Javon Kinlaw, Derek Brown, if those guys are available at ten, are they of interest to you? Do you think the Browns would pull the trigger somewhere? Like if they say they moved back, their top tackles are gone, they moved back a little bit. Are those first round D tackles on play for you, or do you think they go round two, three, four? And who are some of those round two, three, four guys that you could think sort of fitting on that defensive line? Yeah, I definitely see it being more of a, a mid-round kind of a, a positional address right now because I think if maybe one of their tackles gets taken before 10, there's going to be a lot of intriguing talent. Maybe one of these hybrid safety guys like an Isaiah Simmons falls in their lap that just can't pass up, or maybe an edge rusher like a Clavion Chasen is sitting there at 10 and they're really excited about. But a lot of the mid-round guys in defensive tackle, I think there's some really good value that's going to drop but it's not a deep interior defensive tackle class. So a team that may need one could reach on one of these players at the end of round one. Guy's getting a lot of buzz. Ross Blacklock at a TCU who was injured in 2018 and came back last year for a really good season. Jordan Elliott came on really strong for the University of Missouri after being a Texas transfer. I'm not a big believer in the PFF grades. But anytime a player is the number one graded interior pass rusher and run defender, that's kind of a red flag right there. And that was Jordan Elliott at Missouri. Really, really productive player, a hustle player, makes a lot of plays out to the numbers. A guy that can play from two different stances. He can two-gap for you or get in that staggered track stance and shoot across the line of scrimmage. We also have Neville Gallimore, interesting Canadian background at University of Oklahoma. Another guy with a really good first step just didn't finish a lot of plays. So it depends what they're looking for on their defensive line. If they want more of the pluggers on the line of scrim line of scrimmage, or they trying to disrupt and get up the field and really into backfields in that one gap scheme, which I think fits the Sheldon Richardson profile a little bit more. And I'll tell you every year, these rookies that are in their contract year, or excuse me, on their rookie deals, the Larry Unganjobis of the world. I just get so scared because they flash really good potential came back down, and I'm afraid they're going to turn it back up in a contract year and really make it a tough decision on what their value is moving forward. Um, I expect him to really turn it on in a contract year. And Sheldon Richardson, it's kind of put up or shut up time for this guy. They need him to be productive first and foremost as the veteran of the uh, defensive tackle group. 
Yeah, that that the group's future is something I'm thinking about often. I like a lot of those guys you talked about. It will be fascinating for me, Ben, if they continue to sort of go about the path of taking, um, you know, sort of undersized, not undersized necessarily, but they don't have anybody who's like a three – 315 to 330 plugger they seem to, to to favor those guys who are in the mid 290s to the early 300s who can get up field and shoot a gap so uh, if that mold breaks Joe Woods coming in to take over the defense I'm not sure if that mold will break that will be something for Browns fans to track some good names there for you guys Go you know you I, I want else? them to find some more versatility in their yeah. uh in their defensive line I would like to see some of these edge rushers in college that also have some three-tech versatility. We all know it's a sub-package league, and you have to get more explosive and faster at the defensive tackle spot. And if that means sliding an edge inside, that's okay too. So there's guys like A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa or Kenny Willekes out of Michigan State or Bradley and I out of Utah, guys that were edge players on early downs, and they had no problem sliding into three-tech. Uh, on some sub packages and third downs and maybe getting some advantageous matchups against guards. So even though they need a defensive tackle, don't overlook the edge class as well. Yeah, they'll certainly look at edge. You're right. Cause they're, they're going to be turning that position opposite of miles over. So all great stuff, great prospects that if you guys have not had a chance to watch them or look up their highlights, please do so. Um, and, 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 you know, keep note of those names cause they could be called here in a couple weeks before I let you go, Ben, I do want to have your opinion on, uh, two people that the Browns brought in from, from you know, Green Bay backgrounds, which is um, first B.J. Goodson, linebacker that they brought in. I told, We talked about this ahead of time. I sort of think the Browns, it's funny how it worked out. The Browns took Goodson off the Packers' hands, and the Packers took Kirksey off the Browns' hands. So, so what? first question is, what do you think of Goodson? What does he bring to Cleveland? What are his limitations? And then secondhand is uh, sort of Alex Van Pelt and his background with, with uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and all of that, sort of what will he do potentially to help Baker Mayfield and help the offense in general here? Yeah, great questions. There must be a direct flight from Cleveland to Green Bay because there's been a lot of movement back and forth, not only players, personnel men as well, from the Alonzo Highsmiths and Elliot Wolfs of the world. and uh, Mike Pettin you know, up there now. Yeah, Demarius Randall and Pettin and on and on and on. But starting with B.J. Goodson, interesting linebacker at the University of Clemson, played some good ball for the Giants. But he's kind of a scheme-specific linebacker. He's a one-direction, downhill, linear thumper. And usually those guys only have presence on early downs against the run. And that's what he did for the Packers. He really only played in base defense. But any offenses that try to bulk up with a fullback or multiple tight ends, that meant B.J. Goodson's first off the bench to go plug the run. And that's what he's going to do first and foremost is be a 245-pound run plugger. If you get him on the field, Look for other offenses to try to exploit him, put him in space, make him turn and run, make him cover. That's not what he does well. He wants to go downhill and thump, and he does that really well if you could put him in those situations. So I like the combination, mixing him with the Mac Wilsons and Sione Takitakis, and just having a good complementative group of skill sets at the linebacker position I think is really important. Um, you can't just have versatility in every player and expect everybody to be a th three-down player. Specialized mm -hmm. skill sets still have a role as well, and I think that's a B.J. Goodson. Um, but talking about uh, the other player as well, uh, I'm sorry, who was the offensive player we were talking there? No, 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 we're talking uh, Alex Van Pelt. The, uh, oh, Van Pelt, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, so Van Pelt was the quarterback's coach in Green Bay for a number of years, working with Aaron Rodgers there. Obviously, uh, the Mike McCarthy uh, type of offensive scheme, very zone-based rushing attack. They love the play-action shot plays off of that. 
and they love the quick game perimeter action in the screens, whether it's running backs, receivers. In order to do that, you have to have athletic profile offensive linemen. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what type of profile they look for in their young offensive linemen, especially that tackle position, which it seems like they're going to address with the 10th of the 41, uh, 41st overall pick this year. So was there was there a, a little bit of a narrative that, that, that Aaron Rodgers was upset when Van Pelt was left go, or did I did I hear that wrong? Yeah, there's a bit of a narrative with every storyline in Aaron Rodgers up in Green Bay. He's uh, he's obviously very passionate about his guys. He likes to defend his guys, and I think when his job was kind of up against the wall, uh, Aaron kind of put his cleats in the ground and let everybody know he wasn't happy about the change. Um, but there's always been that kind of narrative of defiance with him and whether he's coachable and whether he's, you know, a locker room guy or not. So I think the enigma of Aaron Rodgers kind of built into that usually gets legs. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he helps Mayfield, helps the offense. I think there's a nice blend of, uh, of schemes and styles and approaches there with him and Stefanski, and it should be fun. I hope he helps Mayfield. I'm sure he will help him. Uh, Baker sort of struggled to get, I think, some internal guidance in his second year. Ryan Lindley, a really good dude, but I just don't think he gave him the tools or or whatever. You know, quarterback coaches give guys whatever. I think there are very levels of tips and tricks and tip-offs and things like that that guys can help with and sort of pushing those guys in the right direction. I think Baker needs some of that stuff, and I, I hope it Well, we might out. as well also round out the conversation because you have Jamon Moore from the Green Bay Packers as well, who is a speedy receiver at the University of Missouri last year. It was really just a vertical threat guy who couldn't get on the field with the Packers two years ago in the 2018 class, but he does one thing really well. He runs and can be a presence down the field, so I'm not sure where he fits into the pecking order of the Browns receiver group at the moment. But Jamal Moore has a lot of upside. He's entering his third year, and they're really looking for him to contribute and uh, develop his game. So we'll see kind of where he goes in the pecking order. Yeah, I think that what the Browns do wide receivers is fascinating too. A couple guys that are top-line guys who might end up being gone in a year or two, and you want to develop some names behind them, they could even end up drafting a guy. So they haven't addressed that position in terms of maybe I've, I've they... heard it's a good receiver class, so we'll I see. Have... I've heard a thing or two there, so we will. Yeah, but they might, like you said, they they might like the guys. They have Damian Ratley. They could they could like some of the guys, Kadero Hodge, that they have in house. And um, who knows? They haven't addressed it, so maybe they they won't draft one. It's a weird it's a weird year. We don't know. But Ben, thanks for taking time, man. I really really appreciate it, guys. Make sure you're following him at Ben Fennel underscore NFL on Twitter. I'm sure you are. Um, but if you're not, he gives you a wide variety of insights, draft, in season video work, some of the best video work out there. Make sure you're following him. Thanks again, Ben. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Have him on, buddy. Again, huge shout out to Ben and our sponsors at betonline.ag. Make sure you go to betonline.ag. Take advantage of the betting opportunities that are available for the draft this week. Get that match bonus by using promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, betonline.ag. We really appreciate their support and hope you guys are taking advantage of the rare betting opportunity this week. That's a wrap for Monday's episode. We'll be back tomorrow for our usual podcast, Tuesday edition with Fred Greetham. Make sure you guys are checking out the OBR page for all the different unique and interesting topics that are being covered by the OBR staff heading into the draft. I know I'm going to have something on the tackles and the safeties this week and a fun OBR film breakdown podcast that will be extensive, have multiple guests, and give you guys some of the best insights about what's up and who the Browns might pick from multiple different personalities. So it'll be fun. We appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys subscribing. All the support. And as usual, go Browns.